Welcome to the message podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Make sure you join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road and a new campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, at our Harrisonburg campus, we have a Spanish campus that meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. Check out our website, cotnaz.org, for more information. Today, we're going to jump into a new series, and before we do that, it's almost worth celebrating here this morning that we, if my calculations are correct, this is the 18th Sunday we have gotten to gather together as the body of believers at the East Rock campus. So, can we just celebrate that for a minute? It was a long and crazy road getting up to launch, and the most normal thing happened and delayed our launch, and that was a snowstorm. It's like the most normal thing that happened the whole time. Uh, but as you think about that, it, like, it reminds me of when we brought Eliza home. Because we, Eliza's our first and only daughter, and so when we found out that we were expecting, and well, Ashley was, <laughs> you know, ladies, don't beat me up, please. Uh, but there became things to do. We were in anticipation, and guys, if you've experienced this, you know that there's a remodel project in your future somewhere of something. Like, it's coming. And so we did that, too. Uh, but you go through the whole process, and we went to RMH, had a great experience there, great folks, and... I was amazed, and I told Ashley then, it's more challenging to purchase a firearm than it is to take a human being home from the hospital. Like, they just send you out the door and send you home and say, best of luck. And you're like, oh my gosh, really? And so we got home, and we had the normal challenges, but this overwhelming question just settles in, and it's like, what now? Right? Have you ever been there? You're holding this baby, and you're going... There's nobody else here. What now? And I kind of feel like that's a little bit where we're at as a campus. We've looked back and we can reflect that there's been some amazing things happening and we're 18 weeks in and we can say, gosh, that was a crazy pandemic season. Like who in their right mind plants a campus in a pandemic? But we did. You did. God, by his faithfulness, made a way in the desert for us to be here this morning against what seemed like insurmountable odds. So all throughout this season, we have seen and we can point to many different examples of God's faithfulness. And so it's no accident that we're here at 414 Southeast Side Highway today. We're here and we're here now for a reason and a purpose. And as we think about that, it's so clear that God's on the move. So we're kind of sticking in that question and that stirring in our hearts is that there's something more in it that God's on the move, that his moving was not just to get us here this morning, but that his moving is calling us forward to beyond what we see here this morning, beyond what we're doing right now. That stirring in my heart asked that question, what now? What now? We've come far enough to reflect and see God's goodness and his faithfulness. And so we again ask the question, what now? What's ahead? So beginning today, we're going to journey together throughout the summer. We're going to embark on a series looking at this idea and this question of what now? What's next for us as a church? What's next for us as individuals called together in this local community, this local body of believers? Who is God calling us to be together here and now? 
all of these questions are really significant. They have impact. They have implications to what we do every week and how we're going to carry forth the mission that God has called us to carry forth. So with the weight of the question at hand, where do we start? How do you start to unpack this idea of what now? Looking at the past and looking ahead, where do we start to unpack what's next? And I think we need to just start in the Word. As we encounter questions in life and those things, we start in the Word. And so today, we're going to jump into the Scriptures to see what God's call, what His intention for us as a body of believers is. If you were to go to the Church of the Nazarene Articles of Faith, which is kind of our key core beliefs, the articles at which we stand on, if you were to go and look there and look up uh, Article 11, and that defines what the church is, what our purpose is, and one brief excerpt there says, the mission of the church in the world is to share in the redemptive and reconciling ministry of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're to share in His work, share in the redemption story that God is up to. If you would turn with me today to Ephesians chapter 3, we'll hear the words of Paul and what his perspective was. He says in verse 10, he says, His intent, so God's intent, was that now, through the church, through us, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So already we can see that the purpose of the church is way beyond just what we see and what we might sense sitting here this morning. It is that, it is this expression, but we can see that there's a little bit more. As we come together as the church, as we come together in a community that confesses Christ, we're taking part in something that transcends the physical realm. It transcends the realm that we interact with every day. Because Paul is saying that, We're going to show the wisdom of God to the authorities in the heavenly realms. So for Paul, it was clear it was God's purpose, his design, his intention was for the church was to show. And when you see manifold there, it carries this idea of richly diverse or many colored or expansive wisdom. And that's not only on the earth, not only in our homes, our communities, our workplaces. It's to be shown within the heavenly realms. So it's through the church Make that personal today, friends. It's through the East Rock campus. It's through you and it's through me that God intends to show the beauty of his wisdom. Wow. You and me. The ragamuffin crew together, saved and redeemed by Jesus Christ, have been called to express his wisdom to the world. That's a purpose that we can get around today. That's a mission with meaning. chosen. God has entrusted us to make that known. He's counting on us. It was his intention. Suddenly, as we think about this question of what now, it takes on a different perspective, doesn't it? Because it's not just the plans or the programs or the mechanics of it, because it's beyond the physical realm, right? It's not just for us. It's not just that we're responding to his grace, though we are that we're to show the world, we're to show the heavenly, the principalities, we're to show all his wisdom and grace. We're players on the field today, friends. We're actors in God's great drama of history. When we go out and we engage service projects like Best Week Ever, we've been talking about that a lot, guess what we're doing? 
we're showing. We're showing God's wisdom. Why does a church show up and paint benches at a school? Why does a church show up and help at a community food pantry? Why does a church do any of that thing we're showing? We're showing God's wisdom, his beauty, his majesty. When we engage in vacation Bible school, when we cast a vision to have 50 children here to love on them and point them to the way to Jesus, we're engaging in God's story. We're showing the world and the heavenly realms God's wisdom as we engage, as we embark in his redemption story. And for Paul, you can see that he identified the church as God's eternal purpose accomplished in Christ. We're not plan B. Isn't that good news today? We're God's plan A. We're his first choice. It's his intent that we're going to accomplish his will in the world. That's good news today. We're not on the bench. We're in the game because that's God's intent. So as we begin to even dig deeper and ask that question, what now, we can start to grasp the importance of that question, can't we? It's not just what program. It's not just the things. It's what's God's intent. So we're going to, as a church together, as we seek to discern this question, the steps ahead, we're going to take a journey through Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. So in Ephesians, we're going to dive into a few key elements that we pull out and we're going to engage as a part of God's great story. In the weeks ahead, we're going to look at what it means to be Jesus-centered, understanding that it's through Christ alone that we are brought from death to life. We're going to see the call of God on the heart of every believer, every believer to engage in the good works that God has prepared for us. We're going to see the call to unity in the body of Christ, to know that if we don't go together, we don't go at all. And finally, we're going to discern the call to live decidedly different lives in the world. I pray that through this journey, through this study, that we'll gain fresh perspective on what it means to be the church. The church is a building. The church is programs. The church is those things, but the church is really at its heart, you and me. It's Christ Jesus in the world. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So I'll ask again, what now? What now? Whenever we're asking questions of our lives to this importance, with this much implication, we've got to start in God's word. We've got to start in his word. Our Bibles are are such a source of help for us. And we're going to find so much help from the book of Ephesians. What we have in our Bibles as a letter or a book was really a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in the city of Ephesus. And if you were to look for that on a map today, it would be somewhere around the region of Turkey. And so as we begin, let's take a look at the letter to the Ephesians. But first, I want to flip a few pages before that and start at Acts chapter 19. So I'll just share a funny story with you. I'm in classes through the Church of the Nazarene to pursue ordination. And one of the most handy, practical tools I've gained was a way to remember the order of Paul's letters. So wait, this is free, okay? You don't have to pay for this. If you're struggling to remember sometimes the order of the book of the Bible, so you have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, A-R-C, ARC, and then you have General Electric Power Company, right? Uh-huh, see, that's going to change That's going to change things for you. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, General Electric Power Company. You're welcome, no charge there. But, so we're going to start in the book of Acts chapter 19. I studied a long time to learn that little tidbit. Thank you very much. 
So we're going to start in Acts chapter 19, and really what we see here is our introduction to the church at Ephesus and the Apostle Paul's beginnings there. So the Apostle Paul, in very short and condensed fashion, he was a radical Jew who had an encounter with Christ that transformed his life forever. Paul was told by Jesus to announce the good news of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ, to the Gentile world. That's those who were not Jewish. That's who Paul was to preach to. And so that's a huge and diverse call. And and we see throughout the scriptures that Paul gave his life to that work. He went on many different missionary journeys around the area. And we're going to dive in today to see his work in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus in this time was a very key city in the Roman Empire because of its proximity to trade routes from the sea. So there was constant commerce, there was constant diversity traveling through the city, and the city and the culture there was immersed in Greek mythology and Roman imperialism and pagan practices, and if you can think of it, they practiced it there. And so that's the city that Paul is stepping into here, that the good news is penetrating That's the darkness that's there. So the cultural transitions, all those things that goes with that idolatry is the world that the Apostle Paul stepped into in Acts 19. And so we can see God's plan entering in. The Apostle Paul, he had been through this area once before, before we pick up in our text. He had been there once before and talked to the folks, the disciples there. And he even sent Priscilla and Aquila ahead of him to start the work there in Ephesus. But he had one more trip to go. It was not quite God's time yet. But as we jump into Acts chapter 19, we see that when God finally allowed Paul to show up, when he allowed Paul to stay, we can see some good things happening. We see light piercing darkness. So as we jump into the text, would you pray with me today? Lord, as we open your word, as we open the testimony of your faithfulness to see your church, to see the good news go out, Lord, will you help us to see that in our context today? Not because of who we are, but because of who you are, God, and the mission and your intent that you have called us. In your name we pray. Amen. So as Paul began his work there, we can see that it began with bold proclamation. Bold proclamation is preaching and teaching of the good news of Jesus. And Paul had a habit, if you will, kind of his MO was that when he showed up in a new town, he started at the synagogue where the Jewish folks were meeting and studying the scriptures. That's where he started. And he often countered resistance and reluctance to that message. And Ephesus was no different. So as we jump into 19, verse 8, we read, Paul entered the synagogue where the Jewish folks were worshiping and studying the Torah, the law. That's where he entered, and he spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, and they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. And the way there is what they used to call Jesus and the followers, the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the providence of Asia heard the word of the Lord. And so the folks in the synagogue here, we talk about the resistance that he encountered there. And the wording kind of, when he says proclaimed, and it really is dialogue, he entered into conversation with the folks trying to convey that Jesus was the Messiah. So as Paul is going about, as he is preaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus, the resistance starts to mount. And it only took three months before they really kicked him out of here, but he wouldn't be dismayed. He goes a couple doors down and sets up in a lecture hall, a a place where they would believe that they debated philosophy and teachings of the day. 
And so Paul was a tradesman. We looked at that last week about how he had provided his own way and how he trusted in his hands and his trades to provide his needs. And so we see Paul engaging in that pattern. And in this culture, it was super hot. And so they would work in the morning for several hours, take a four-hour siesta in the middle of the day, and then engage in work in the afternoon. I'm going, man, we need to get on that. But as they were to engage in work in the morning, Paul was working and making a way and providing. And then he teaches all afternoon before re-engaging in work that evening. And that was the pattern that went on in Ephesus. So we see Paul giving his life, giving his all to see the good news of Jesus go forth. And it was through the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and Paul's proclamation that the whole region heard the good news of Jesus. And we believe that there were several more churches, several more campuses planted out of Paul's work there in Ephesus. So along with his bold proclamation, the word of the Lord spread through the miraculous. As we pick back up in our text at verse 11, it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illness was cured and the evil spirits left them. Literally, we think that the sweatbands and the aprons that Paul was working in morning and evening were what were being taken to those who were sick and they were receiving healing. And you think about the things that Luke has seen in his travels with Paul. When Luke identifies it as extraordinary, that should really perk our attention up. It blew Luke's mind what was happening that day. So literally, these sweaty rags would be taken to people and they would be healed in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I think I might try that next hospital visit. I'm going to take some sweaty socks and see if God wants to do it again. (laughs) I think more than a few of you are glad that that tradition might not be as intact as it is. But we see that God was moving through the miraculous. That it wasn't just what was seen. It wasn't just the preaching, but that God was multiplying the work of his disciples there in Ephesus. God did things through the faithfulness of Paul and the disciples. So the word of the Lord began with a proclamation and had the affirmation of the miraculous. But the word as it went out, it made a real world impact in the economy and the lives of the people there in Ephesus. As we pick up in verse 17, it says, when this became known, so what had just happened, and please read Acts 19 this week. It'll be a great study and it'll bring all this together. Uh, But what these guys had seen, when this became known, there was an incident where these phony religious guys had had tried to cast out a demon out of a man, and and that man called them out because they were phony and piled on them and beat them up so bad they ran away naked. And It's a a crazy story, but just please dive into that this week. But when that became known is what they're talking about here. So when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. 50,000 days wages. If you calculate that out at an eight-hour day at $15 an hour, that's about six million dollars worth of scrolls. Six million dollars. This was a total forsaking of a livelihood for them in that area. They made an about face and turned towards Jesus as Lord. It made a real world impact. 
And when the word of the Lord spreads widely and grows in influence like it did in Ephesus, you can be certain that there's going to be opposition. And there was in Ephesus. The final account in Acts 19, as you read that this week, it'll really come open. But the final account there is of a city-wide riot. They had had it. It was instigated by some silversmiths who used to make little replicas of the pagan goddess Artemis, and they made this, and that was their economy, that was their livelihood, and this apostle Paul's coming in and saying that, no, 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 Jesus is Lord, he's king of kings, he's the most high God, and so their trade, the $6 million deficit that just went down was affecting them, and they had had enough, and they started as a riot. Scripture says that the whole city came together for two hours in an uproar chanting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. For two hours, it shook with the chants of the people. There was a little opposition to the gospel of Jesus. Paul longed to go make a defense of the gospel. I mean, he had made his living entering into debates and dialogue with people in defense of the gospel. He longed to go, but in that moment, his friends and even officials in the city would not let him go because they feared for his life. Scholars are a little bit divided about what all opposition happened to Paul in that region. Some believe that he was imprisoned, and and some believe that he was beaten. And whatever happened that remains a mystery yet to us today, despite those struggles, we know that Paul gave his life to see the gospel spread out, despite the opposition. Because he says in his letter to the Corinthians that he even despaired of life itself. He thought he was a dead man in this region. The opposition was real, but the word went out. The Holy Spirit was moving. Despite the struggles, despite the trials, God's word went out. It was through the church, it was through the gathering of the believers that this community was turned upside down for Christ. As we read through the Bible, as we read through the scriptures, we read of people like Paul, and we understand that they gave their lives for the church. They didn't give their lives for a building, not for programs. They gave their lives for the proclamation of Jesus Christ because they understood the implications. They understood the intent that it was the body, the gathering of God's people that was to send forth his wisdom to the world. They loved the church. So if the church is worth that much commitment, that much sacrifice, that much hard work, that much courage, what are we to do? What are we to do? Putting it quite simply, what now? Sure, that question is for us, but it's also for you and me as individuals. Because we're coming together. We're coming together individually into a community called by God to express His wisdom to the world. Are you in? More than that, are you all in? Are you all in? God has called us here together in this moment for a purpose.
we're a part of a bigger story this morning. We're a part of a story of a campus in Harrisonburg, true. But we're a part of God's redemption narrative that transcends eternity. That's the story that we're in right now. Are you in? Are you in? God is looking for players on the field, not spectators in the stands. It's through his redeemed people, it's through us, the church, that he desires to tell the world of his great grace and mercy. Are you in? We don't today have the certainty of what our methods will be. We don't know what methods God's going to call us to use to proclaim his good news here. But what we do know, we have the same message as the Apostle Paul and that of Jesus Christ. So while the methods may look different, the message never changes. The good news that flipped Ephesus upside down is going to be the same good news that flips Elkton upside down. It's the same good news. The methods might be different. We don't exactly know what miraculous things God's going to do ahead of us, what he's going to do in our community. But God's still into doing miracles, amen? God's into the miraculous. We certainly can't gauge the impact that will be seen right here in our own community. What would it be? For Ephesus, it was a $6 million burning of the scrolls. What's it going to be in our community? What if, what if such a crazy thought that because God broke loose, not because the church wagged their finger at the community, but because Jesus broke out in his people and it went through the community that the police force got bored? What if they didn't need a canine unit? What if they didn't need eight officers? They could just go help the kids or help the food pantry. How are we going to know the impact if we sit back and hold it into ourselves? What impact is God calling us to make? What's he want to do in this community and beyond? If you would have asked the people of Ephesus if they would have thought this crazy guy that rolled into the Jewish synagogue then got kicked out and he's making tents and sweatbands or healing people, if you would have asked them if they thought that it was going to flip their world upside down, I think they'd have probably said, nah, this guy's nuts. But it was the power of the Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit moving and working through his people. Guess what today, friends? That's us. We're God's people. When we confess Jesus as Lord and we give our all to him, we enter his story. Are you in? In 50 years when someone's trying to write about what happened in Elkton in 2020 and 2021, do you want to be a part of it? Sure, there was a crazy pandemic, and gosh, you remember that we had to wear masks, and we, we had to stay at home, and we did all this crazy stuff, but you remember that was the year that God broke out. Revival happened. That was when it started. I get a little fired up about the church, because I needed the church. I still do. And the church is going to drive you nuts because it's made up of people. And guess what we do as people? We drive each other nuts. But it's not about us. When I needed to see the love, God sent a saint named Lynn Cook to the church. And she hugged me and loved me when I didn't deserve it. When God was calling me, he put people in my life from the church to tell me of the good news of Jesus and what he could do. 
I needed the church. And so the question of are you in, yes, it's about what you can do, but it might be about what you can give to God's kingdom. As the band comes today, we're going to worship. The question of the day is are you in? Are you in? We're doing things. That's a part of it. Responding to serve is, is yes, it. But are you in to let God show his manifold wisdom through you to the world? Are you in today? As we journey through the next couple of weeks, we're going to just try to put our hands on what, what some of those key elements are. What are some of the most important peaks that we need to identify as we seek to go forth? To show God's beautiful wisdom to the world and the principalities of the air. We're the players on the field, friends, not the, not the folks in the stands. Would you pray with me as the band begins to play? Lord Jesus, we love you today, God. It is because you loved us first that we can say, I love you, Lord. And Lord, we, we read in the scriptures of your intent that as, as we are redeemed, as we are your people and we come together, that it was your intention, God, that we would show the world and the realm of the unseen your beauty and your wisdom and your grace and your mercy and your love. God, we want in. God, we want to do the things, but we want to be the people most importantly. We want to be surrendered to you. We want to be filled with your Holy Spirit so that when we go forth, it's not us that they see, it's you. God, I thank you for your church. God, I thank you that you sent the church as a way to show your love to people like me. So God, we don't know what's ahead, but you do. We can't see around that corner, but you're at the corner and we see you and we're coming. God, we want in. We want in on what you're up to. May it begin with us, Lord Jesus, for your glory. You're the only name worthy. You're the only name to be named that is even worthy of a conversation about this. Jesus, Prince of Peace. King of kings, Lord of lords, we love you today. For you alone are worthy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.